0: Welcome to the Grow Bowl with Disability Podcast, brought to you by Ferros Care, a podcast dedicated to smashing stereotypes and talking about the things people with disability care about most, to help us live bolder, healthier, better connected lives.
1: I'm journalist Pete Timms. And I'm Tristan Peters. I work for Disability Service Directory Clickability and I'm a wheelchair user living with spinal muscular atrophy.
0: Today's episode of Grow Bold with Disabilities, Growing Bold and Autism. And our guest is Chloe Hayden. She's an award winning motivational speaker. Ready for this? Here we go. Actor, performer, author, influencer, content creator, and disability rights activist and an advocate. She's pretty amazing, this young lady. In this episode, we'll hear how Chloe reached out to an online community after she was diagnosed with autism and ADHD as well at the age of 13, and how that anonymous blog has led to her touching the lives of, wait for it, nearly half a billion, with a B, people. Chloe,
1: welcome to Grow Bowl With Disability.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So, Chloe,
1: as Pete said in the introduction, you were diagnosed with autism and ADHD at the age of 13. What were some of your early behavioural traits that led to you and your family seeking a diagnosis?
2: Uh, Yeah. So my parents were quite young and I was also their first child. So they didn't have anyone else to look to, any other people, any other kids to go, yeah, this is what a normal child is meant to look like. At this point, autism also wasn't very well known. It was very, very stigmatized. So there was nothing to compare me to. There was nothing to go, oh, that person is like her, whether it's a media or whether it's a, a real life contact it was actually my English teacher in year eight that suggested going and getting some tests due to some of the issues that I was having at school. Um, the first test being getting uh, cat scans and brain tests to see if I had an injury from falling off my horse, uh, did not have that ended up just being autistic. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> looking back, I had every symptom under the sun since I was a baby. Um, and sensory issues, I had food diversions. There was pretty much not a singular thing that I had as a child that was a normal child trait. Every single one moved back to autism. Um, but it's something that's still so stigmatized and unknown, specifically in girls, that we just didn't have that resource until I was older.
0: Well, can you explain? Now this is a pretty broad spectrum, actually. Just explain what autism is to our listeners.
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. So scientifically, autism is a developmental condition that affects the way that we communicate with people uh, and interact with the world around us. But for me, autism feels like I've crash landed on an alien planet where everyone is speaking in a secret code and the rocket scientist back home forgot to give me a handbook on how to understand it. So I have to entirely (laughs) figure it out by myself. Um, But something I've discovered is that just because I feel like I've come from another planet, First of all, doesn't mean that I was the only one that crash-landed here. There was millions of other people just like me that crash-landed as well. Um, And it also doesn't mean that I can't create my own life here, my own community here, my own identity here. Um, I love being autistic. And even though it does come with its struggles because of living in a neurotypical world as a neurodivergent person, um, I genuinely believe it's also my greatest power.
1: Beautifully said. Nice analogy. (laughs) I love love that so much. (laughs) It makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> and then, uh, as well as that, the ADHD. So, can you explain ADHD as well?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so similar to autism, ADHD is another developmental condition. Um, that on the surface level, and as the way that we have been programmed to see it, um, first of all, everyone is told that it mainly affects young boys. Um, it isn't the case. Young boys become older men, and they still have ADHD. Um, if you have ADHD as a child and you don't have it as an adult, you didn't have ADHD. Um. What it actually does it, is it affects us so much deeper than that and in ways that so many people, including diagnoses themselves, are very often uh, missing. It affects the way that we see the world around us. It affects our sense of time. It affects um, specifically and probably most importantly our executive functioning levels. So the way that we interact, the way that we um, view and perceive things, it's probably one of the most misunderstood developmental conditions um, and is so much more broad and so much more diverse than what we're being told it is.
0: So you mentioned the word developmental there a few times in the explanation for ADHD and autism. Explain that to me. Does that mean that you, when someone says the alphabet, you know, 26 letters in the alphabet... And then putting them together to form a word. Is that where you're struggling, or is it comprehension of sentences and so forth?
2: No. So um, that would probably be more in line with dyslexia, um, which is, once again, another type of neurodiversity. And as far as my understanding is, another neurodevelopmental condition. It just means it's a condition which is in our brains. It's a brain thing. Um, And a lot of people will use that uh, as a mislead to go, oh, well, if it's in our brain, then you can stop doing it. Like, just be normal. Or um, people will be like, oh, well, if it's in your brain, we can fix it with invasive therapies. Um, You can't do that. It's a part of my brain. It's a part of my wiring. It's a part of who I am. Um, And it's another reason why I hate when people say they have autism um, or they have a disability. I am autistic and I am a disabled person. Um, And that's not uh, ostracizing myself. That's not casting myself out. Um, I've had so many professionals and adults say, oh, don't say you're autistic. You're so much more than that. It's like, yes, I am. But I am an autistic person and I am who Mm -hmm. I am because I'm autistic Um, we are who we are because of what we are and I'm not ashamed of being autistic I love being autistic and it's something that is incredibly important to me and it is a, a huge part of my identity and I think that's the biggest thing like developmental conditions is a part of who we are, um, and we need to start taking away that stigma that if we have a disability, it's inherently bad. We need to take away that disability deficit model and start focusing on um, more of a social model of disability and start focusing on this is who we are. And you know what? That's really bloody cool.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And this is a a really powerful message that you convey on your YouTube channel, which, I mean, has over 42,000 subscribers (laughs) subscribers <laughs> you cover so many different topics about autism and adhd what are some of the big issues people want to hear about
2: i mean when i started the channel like i started this channel specifically for me like i started because i was uh, 16 when i started the channel and terrified and didn't know anyone else that was autistic Um, and I did, I was like, I was desperately reaching out to the universe. I just needed other people. Um, so I started off just sharing my story and then seeing other people sharing their story back. And it was then that I realized, um, just how misunderstood this all is and just how much we need more people that are actually a part of the community rather than psychologists who pretend to know about us because they spent a few years learning about our brain through fancy textbooks, nothing against psychologists. They're great people. They diagnose me, but they don't know about me as well as I know about me. And they don't know about autism as well as I know about autism, um, So I think the biggest thing is just reducing and taking away those stereotypes and stigmas that surround disability, um, both within ourselves, because disabled people can have so much internalized ableism because of the way that the world has perceived and taught us to be, um, and also taking away those stigmas and stereotypes for the wider community that may not have had personal interactions with autistic people before.
0: Yeah, you're doing some amazing stuff on there. You're asking interesting questions and answering a lot of interesting questions. But one of the ones that got me was, let's talk about Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And what it is, and what is the how is it different to autism? Can, now, most people, a lot of people, can go and listen to this on Chloe's channel. But let's get it in a nutshell. Explain to people what
2: that means. Okay, so um, I was originally diagnosed with Asperger's when I was thirteen. That was my diagnostic. Um, however, Asperger's is no longer something that uh, is part of the DSM five, which is part of the criteria that we use to diagnose mental health disabilities, developmental disorders. Um, Asperger's in itself is a name that is directly derived from a man named Hans Asperger, who, uh, it, to be sure, was a Nazi uh, who murdered disabled children um, during World War Two. So, not a good man, not someone that we want to be associated with. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I've I've got a very big video of several videos on TikTok and YouTube um, about this man and about uh, Asperger's mm. and why we need to stop using the term Asperger's. Um, it also, I feel like if people that use the term Asperger's, and obviously there's a difference between people that are using it because they don't know any better because they mm. haven't been taught any further and people that are using it because they're like, I don't want to be known as autistic. That's bad. That's weird. I don't want to be seen as autistic because of the stigma that we have around disability and autism. And Asperger's doesn't inherently have that same label. People hear Asperger's and they think, oh, you're some crazy savant genius uh, who just mm. so happens to maybe mm. not be great at talking to people. but it's all autism Asperger's does not exist high functioning and low functioning autism doesn't exist it's simply autism Um, the way that I best describe it is it's like a colour palette every single one of us that's autistic is a different colour on this colour palette Um, and my colour might be yellow and someone else's colour might be blue but neither of us are more or less colour than another colour we're all just a different colour Asperger's itself doesn't exist the man who is Hans Asperger is the most disgraceful disgusting human being to ever exist Um, and it's not a thing that we need to be using anymore we have better terms that we can use to describe the way that our brains work.
1: Yeah, great. I really wanted to get that message across. That's great. (laughs) Um, And you also, uh, uh, let's turn to Instagram, you've got over sixty-eight thousand followers, uh, but you also recently posted you've been diagnosed with. I'm going to test my pronunciation here. Postural <laughs> orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Brilliant, good job. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, do you mind explaining what what that is and how that also
2: affects you? Yeah, of course. I swear, God, go. these diagnoses just keep coming. Um, I've been, I've, <laughs> I've known that I've been neurodivergent since I was uh, twelve. Now. Um, and it's something I've come to terms with and, and I'm proud of. It's I'm, I'm proud of my neurodivergent mind, and I love my neurodivergent minds. Um, speaking personally about chronic illness and about physical health is never something that I thought that I would have to do. I never thought that that was something which would be a part of my own story. POTS is something I was diagnosed with uh, this year, and it's a disorder of the autonomy. The, the auto- I can't speak, man. Autonomic nervous system. Right. Um, <laughs> if anyone's a doctor or whatever and is listening to this, don't, <laughs> um, basically it's the part of our body that controls essential bodily functions, like our heart rate, our breathing, our blood pressure, sleep cycles, temperature control, all that sort of stuff. Um, basically if you do it without thinking, uh, your nervous system is to thank for it. Um, it's also a condition that means that while a healthy person's nervous system is going to activate several responses and have blood vessels contract to ensure that a sufficient amount of blood reaches the brain, um, mine just plain and simply cannot be bothered. Um, it means that my body has constant tachycardia, meaning heart rates above hundred BPM, chronic fatigue, low blood pressure, migraines, palpitations, brain fog and memory issues, um, muscle pain, fainting, dizzy spells, nausea, shakiness, blurred visions, um, struggles with physical activity. Um, I'm like smiling while I'm saying all of this, but like, that's like some pretty like heck off <laughs> yeah, size symptoms. Hey, a good list. <laughs> Thank you. I thought so. And that's just mine. Like the list goes on for anyone else. Um, it basically just means that, um, my body is not in connects with my mind, um, which makes sense. Cause none of me is connected in connects with anything else. Um, Basically, it just means that I have to manage myself by um, – I have to take medication a few times a day to make sure that my heart rate slows down and learns how to take a bloody chill pill. Um, it means that I have to drink three liters of hydrolite a day, um, increase my salt intake, and just basically look after myself. Um, and in doing so, I've had to learn um, this to. Take away my stigma of taking medication, which I think so many people have. So many people think that if we take medication, it means that we're weak or that we need to try harder. Um, We have the right to take medication unashamedly if it's something that's going to benefit our lives and also learn how to love this part of my body, which I never thought that I would have to.
0: Yeah, nice. Now, um, I did see in a pretty recent episode um, back in Feb, I think it was, of this year, Title: So your kid just been diagnosed with autism? Here's what to do. Now, people should head to the Chloe's YouTube channel, to check this out because it's pretty amazing. All the links are in today's show. But in a nutshell, can you what should parents do when the kid has been diagnosed with autism? And I must point out, I love the bit where you say, "Speak to your child, don't speak over your child."
2: Honestly, that's like the biggest point. I think the biggest thing with disabled parents, or you know, parents of kids that are different. Um, is some of them do tend to speak over us and will speak for us as if we don't have our own voices um, and that's honestly the worst thing that you can possibly do. Um, your child is your child and they have always been your child. Um, just because there is now a condition, which probably has always been there specifically in terms of autism, ADHD, other neurodevelopmental things. Um, it doesn't mean that anything is different. Um, love your child. And, and if your child needs help, give it to them, but don't speak over your child. Don't uh, stop them from doing things which they know they can do. Um, just be a parent and be there for them when they need it. Um I think there's probably a lot more in that video, which I, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I think that's the biggest thing is just um, to understand that your child is who they're supposed to be um, and don't try and change them. Oh my God. I know that I said I was finished with this question, but but the biggest I thing, go for it. That, okay, good. Cause I'm going to rant on this one, man.
1: Go the for it, biggest go.
2: thing that like, bugs me is parents that are like, Oh, we have to like change our child. We have to like put our child in like 50 therapy sessions a week. Oh my God. Your kid does not need that, man. Um, Like, okay, so APA therapy is probably, I've spoken about this multiple times. I think anyone that has heard my voice once knows that I have so much disdain for this thing. Um, If you try to change your child's brain, if you try to change your child's outlook on life, if you try to go, my kid's autistic, but I'm going to put them in therapy so so other people don't know they're autistic. Your child is still autistic. Your child is still disabled. Now they just have to mask that um, and are going to suffer so much greatly and so much further through their life. Just because you refuse to accept them for who they are, the only way that a kid can learn how to accept who they are is by looking into their parents and knowing that their parents love them for who they are as well. Anyway, Rand randover.
1: No, <laughs> oh, no, nice, beautiful rand. Ran Anytime you want. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> but uh, speaking of being a child, then how was um, high school for you, and how did? Your peers embrace you, and 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 how was that that time in your life?
2: Oh, ew, yuck. Um, <laughs> so I started getting homeschooled when I was in year eight. Um, pretty much the same day that I got my autism diagnosis, the psychologist that I went to told my parents, "If your child stays in school for another day, you are not going to have a child any longer." So I started getting homeschooled that same day, and. Almost immediately, my entire life turned around school was the pitch for me. I was bullied um, both mentally and physically every single day since kindergarten um, up until year eight. Um, I became a shell of the person that I once was. I used to be the most bubbly, happy, vibrant kid. Um, and by the time I got my diagnosis, I was mute. I couldn't speak to anyone. I was terrified. I couldn't leave my house. I was um, fainting almost daily. I was having panic attacks multiple times a day. I was the most terrified child that you would ever meet. Um, getting homeschooled and being in an environment where I was allowed to, not only allowed to be who I was, but thrived in who I was, was the biggest change for me. I learned that who I was was okay and that the people around me loved me for who I was. Um, I was able to learn in a way that made sense to me. I think the biggest thing with schools is that we have an education system, which is a box um, or a a tiny circle. And most kids aren't a tiny circle shape. They're a whole different shape altogether. And they're never going to be able to fit through that through that shape that has been given to them. Therefore, there are so many kids who are incredibly bright and incredibly smart and incredibly willing and ready to learn who are being left out. Um, 97% of autistic children are failed by the education system and that is no fault of the autistic child themselves. That is entirely the fault of the education system that we have built ourselves around. Um, We need to start giving these kids that disadvantage simply because the the education system refuses to include them um, and showcase that they can learn and that we have the ability to educate and to learn in ways that make sense to us. Um, and as soon as I learned that, my entire life changed around.
0: So what did you suggest? Because not everyone can be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. With, with, is the suggestion that more acceptance within the existing um, schools? Or do you think that people with autism, and I don't want to you know, put them into a, a specific school, or is it better for them to be together and to thrive in that environment? Or does it work in the public system, if you know what I mean?
2: I think it entirely depends. I think that we really, really need to reshape our entire education system regardless. Mm. Um, Currently, our education system is built to create people that can work in a specific setting to be a, an, an employee for someone um, we're not teaching kids how to be their own people we're not teaching kids how to have their own business we're not teaching kids how to, how to thrive as an individual we're teaching them to be an ant in a colony um, it's, so it's not just failing autistic kids it's failing most children um, mm. if you're not this teeny tiny percentage of kids which the system is built for then it's failing you we need So first of all, we need to completely overlook the way that our education system is run. Um, we don't expect all adults to work the same jobs and to learn the same way and to live the same lifestyle. Um, if you had, I'm an actor and I'm an advocate. If I tried to work in an office job, I absolutely could not do that. And if you put someone who does work in an office job and thrives like that into my environment, they would explode. Um, you can't expect those two people to work in the same thing. So, why are we expecting kids in the most vulnerable stages of um, developing who they are? to work that same way. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so first of all, we need to completely rethink the way that we have the education system. Um, and kids that are disabled, kids that are neurodivergent, kids that aren't thriving in this current system, homeschooling shouldn't be the only option. It shouldn't be, oh, well, we have to remove our kids entirely. We need to create a system where kids are allowed to be their individual selves. At the moment, having um, break rooms where autistic kids can go when the lights get too bright and the people get too noisy and there's too much going on in their heads we need to allow kids to have noise-canceling headphones or weighted blankets or fidget toys or whatever it is, um, and just allow kids to be themselves and to learn in the ways that make sense for them.
1: Mm, good call. Yeah, and we, we've, spoken, we've spoken about some of your amazing achievements and your resume um, in terms of acting, being an activist, um, content creator. Was this always the plan for you post-school, or how has this um, progressed as you've got older? What, what did you want to do when you, when you left school?
2: Honestly, when I was in school, I wasn't expecting to really be here for a whole lot of time after I left school. I was like, I don't, I don't, the world isn't creative for me. What's my point in being here? Um yeah. I have always loved acting and performing, um, at being autistic masking and having to put on a face is something that I've always had to do anyway. Um, so going into career where I did get to perform and act is just made sense to me because I've done it myself for my entire life anyway. But ultimately when I was in school and when I was in high school and people asked me what I wanted to do, I just said, I wanted to be happy. I just wanted to, to just feel comfortable in who I was and I am absolutely doing that now. Um, as I did get older, acting has always been something, and performing has always been something which I've loved so deeply. Um, I used to tell my mum when I was younger, "I want to be an actor." And this was when I was mute to everyone except for my family. She's like, "Dave, you can't even speak, so unless you want to be a mime, it's not <laughs> happening." Um, but she, even with that, she encouraged me so deeply with it everything that I wanted to do, even if I sucked at it. And that's probably a point from before about what parents can do when their child gets a diagnosis, encourage your kids in whatever it is, even if they suck at it, I cannot even walk in a straight line without falling over. Um, and I was like, I want to be a dancer. My mom was like, all right, let's go. And she got me into every different dance school. And I had like dance classes every day and I loved it. I sucked at it. It was awful, but I loved it. And I felt like I belonged somewhere. Um, and being able to do that and being able to have parents that just genuinely, um, encouraged me within everything that I loved and everything that I wanted to be is I think why I'm able to be so confident in who I am now as well.
0: Yeah, it's great to have that confidence, but also you're a strong advocate again in your YouTube channels and so forth for pushing back against people who say that you can't do things as Mm -hmm. well. What are some of the things that you've been told by society that you can't do?
2: Oh my God, everything. Like literally there's a singular thing and I've been told that I can't do that. Um, Being an actor, um, I've been told multiple times, you can't be an actor because you don't understand facial expressions or you can't be an actor because this, that and the other. I've been told that I I've been told I can't be a girl if I'm autistic Someone like I would be like I was like you can't be autistic because you're a woman I'm like okay fair enough see you later um (laughs) I've been told that um I can't be autistic because of how I dress or because I wear makeup um or because I'm emotional like I I show emotions like an like a human being and they're like sorry autistic people can't do that uh sorry you're a scam um, so I've been told multiple things and you know what, it's, it's all just a showcasing of how stereotyped and stigmatized this mm. is specifically within women.
1: Yeah, it's pretty horrendous. Another, um, topic that you, you've spoken about is this call to, to stop infertilizing autistic people. And this is something that frustrates me as, as a disabled man myself, I'm a part so I get infertilized all of the time. Have you seen this issue play out? generally for like, how, how do we stop this, this notion that we can't do things? How do we change these attitudes?
2: I think as soon as we stop letting other people speak for us and let actual disabled people of the community speak for ourselves, that's when we can start to actually create the difference. Um, the amount of people that um, including doctors and psychologists and teachers that I will be speaking to. And they'll speak to me like I'm a normal functioning adult. Um, and then as soon as conversation comes up that I'm autistic, their entire attitude towards me changes. They'll start baby talking wow. me. Um, they'll start using simple words. They'll start speaking to me as if I'm an entirely different human to who I was two seconds before- beforehand. I've had people in my life who know that I'm autistic and they'll like c- hold my hand when we're crossing the road or they'll um, praise me for doing the most basic of tasks. I've had one person who came to me, came with me to a school talk I was doing and they came up and like stood on stage with me and like held my hand as if I needed that support it's like <laughs> it's so ridiculous, and it's again it stems from this side. Well, I I don't I don't know where this one stems from because no no autism diagnostic criteria is they may be a, a literal child in the body of a thirty year old person <laughs> or whatever you know. Like I don't know where this comes from, but the and it's not just autism. Like I I have a friend who um has dysplasia and I'll I'll go out with him somewhere, and people talk to him like he's four years old, and it's ridiculous. Um the entire idea of infantilizing people that are disabled simply because they're different to you um, is such a bizarre concept for me. And I think the more that we, we we need to start speaking up boldly about who we are and not letting other people take our voices. And I think that's the issue. Is For so many years, someone will say something about us or do something to us and we're like, I can't do anything about this, so I'm simply going to suck it up and accept it. Um, it's 2021, man. This world was made for all of us. We don't need to deal with that anymore.
0: Yeah. Fair call. Cool. I agree. But I think the most important thing you said there is you that the disabled community needs to step up. And I think that's so true. We can't let the able-bodied, and this is in inverted commas, people sort of speak for you. I think that's 100%. very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we're going to wrap it up pretty soon, Chloe. But let, I want to ask one final question. Now, you said when you left school, you know, you didn't even know if you were going to, how much further you were going to move forward. What does the future hold for you now? At 24, I think. Is that right? 24? Yes,
2: 24. That's right. Um... Uh, my life feels like an absolute fairy tale now. I often compare our lives to books and to fairy tales and how we all have our once upon a time, now adventure stage, now dragon fighting stages. And I'm still in that adventure stage. I'm still in that dragon fighting stage. But I can see my happily ever after. And it is so freaking cool, man. Like, if I could go back and have a conversation with. 10-year-old Chloe, who was so terrified of who she was and so terrified of the world around her, she would absolutely not believe. First of all, she wouldn't speak to me. Second of all, she absolutely would <laughs> not believe. Like, I have the most amazing things coming up, um, things that I'm so excited to start talking about. Um, but it's, yeah, I, my life feels like an absolute occasion and I'm rising to every single second of it.
0: Nice
1: work. Beautiful. Uh, and Chloe, we like to wrap up each episode uh, with the question, what does living a bold life mean to you?
2: I think living a bold life to me means being boldly, proudly, unashamedly myself and not letting anyone tell me otherwise and understanding that who I am is exactly who I'm supposed to be.
0: So true. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us here today on Grow Bold with Disability, the podcast brought to you by Feros Care. And our listeners can find out more about Chloe. Check out her YouTube. Check out her Instagram. They're both pretty amazing, especially the YouTube stuff. And you can follow her journey in the links that are provided in today's episode show notes. Chloe Hayden, thank you so much. That was an adventure.
2: Thank you so much.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Ferros Care, an NDIS partner delivering local area coordination services in Queensland, South Australia, and the Australian Capital Territory. Ferros Care is a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Bold. And for over 30 years, Ferros has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more head to ferroscare.com.au.